Hey guys, it's Charles. Are you a lazy millennial like me who doesn't have the time, energy, or work ethic to actually read a book? If so, you're in luck. Head over to audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge to get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Reading is for chumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're on episode 44 of the Send the Edge podcast. I'm Justin Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J1MOSQ, the Jew Mosque. I'm here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4Verts. Uh, say what's up to the people, Charles. What's up to the good people of Twitter.com, SettingEdge.com, iTunes.com, wherever you're listening to this. We have made mm. it through. SoundCloud.com. SoundCloud.com, exactly. Uh, we have made it through the first NFL Sunday of the season. We're right now in the fourth quarter of the Dallas Fourth quarter of the, of the uh, Cowboys Giants game is about a minute fifty five left, so uh, I think we know how that one's going to go with the Cowboys up nineteen to three. But we have a whole week one slate to talk about, and we haven't spoken to you since the uh, Chiefs and the Patriots played on Thursday night. So I, that's a good place to start off. Yeah, uh, we, we talked about. We I actually wrote about. What happened in it? I think I, what I want to do is I'm going to do a weekly post, probably either Fridays or Saturdays, called uh, Thursday Bright Football, where we just like actually watch the Thursday night game because I feel like a lot of people just just blow it off completely, which totally fair. I mean, you're approaching the weekend, um, but it's a nationally televised game. Like a lot of people saw it. I should probably br- break down some like numbers or X and O's, something like that. So I did that this week. Um, I broke down their little option play with that shovel pass. And then uh, broke down basically why you shouldn't give up on on uh, Tom Brady because his game wasn't actually that bad, even though they got blown out. Um, since since uh, Tom Brady took over again from Matt Castle, the only teams that have or the only quarterbacks who have won by 15 or more points against the uh, England Patriots were Alex Smith two times, Tyrod Taylor last year, and Colt McCoy with the with the Cleveland Browns in 2010. Wow, I don't even remember that Colt McCoy game. Dude, I, I do not either. I had to, like, because I, I, I ran it through uh, Pro Football Reference. I had to check it, like, five times to make sure that, like, it wasn't just, like, lying to me. I had to, like, check it on NFL.com and ESPN. Jeez. Uh, but, but, yeah, I, I thought it was just the, the whole timing of Albert Breer dropping that piece saying that so Andy Reid is dead. And then Andy Reid coming out and running, like, full-on Urban Meyer Florida offense, like, it, it was it was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, Russell Wilson was going to end up running against Green Bay. Uh, not so much in terms of the production, but he was still he was still the leading rusher for the Seattle Seahawks this week. Um, New England needs edge help bad, man. Like both of these teams, I think KC went into this game with three pass rushers. I think New England came into this game with three pass rushers, um, and then like they used they used uh, they used Donta Hightower as an edge defender, and then Dante Hightower got hurt, and then they put in Cassius Marsh. Um, Justin Houston took steroids at halftime. Oh, yeah. Or or supplement something. Like, he he took stimulants something. Because first half, I was like, man, Justin Houston's dead. This is so sad. This was a guy who used to average one sack a game uh, since his sophomore year. Like, one of the most amazing stats in in terms of the pass rushers, you know, in the generation that I've seen the NFL. And he comes and gets, like, two sacks in the second half. And I was like, oh, there he is. Yep. Uh, 
Yeah, I was on the Justin Houston is dead train too, and I, I even acknowledged it during the game. I was like, "Yeah, I'm stupid," because he looks incredible right now. Like he had a play where he, uh, I, I think he he beat a cut block, and I think he tackled Mike Gillisley in space. I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I was I was definitely a hundred percent wrong <laughs> about that." But it, yeah, it was really cool to see him back. It was cool to see Andy Reid kind of take it back to Alex Smith's college days, where Urban Meyer and like they were running. You know the like the triple option with the shovel, uh, just a lot of cool stuff. A lot of inverted veer, and it, it was cool to see like the Patriots be caught off guard by that, and the Chiefs be so so successful with uh, with those plays. And it, it was just kind of a middle finger to the people who say college plays can't work in the NFL, even though they've been doing college plays like that for a very long time. Yeah, Andy Reid's a top probably five head coach in the NFL. Um, and now, for, remember, this was all because he had that extra time leading up to the game, right? Because you have that extra time between week three and, and uh, the first week of the preseason, or the first week of the regular season. Um, he now has a long week, and I think they're playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, I want to say. Which is like a reven- revenge game with extended time uh, when Andy Reid has one of the best against the spread records uh, for coming off of a bye week. Like that, that's that's super lock to me. Um, the, the Patriots also, I want to say this right now because this number is going to move up. The Patriots are five-point favorites on the road against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, if you go 0-2 in the NFL, you don't make the playoffs. The Patriots are making the playoffs. I'm taking that line right now. I don't need to wait till Wednesday when we're making our picks. Like I want this line right now before it gets moved up to 7.5. Yeah, I'm like people who are saying maybe the Patriots, you know, that you've got you've got the obvious hot takes where people are saying maybe the Patriots dynasty is over. I I think you no. kind of had a week where you're you have pretty much a brand new receiving core and I don't know you're just out of sync. It, it was one game. We've seen them have one bad game to start the season, and then figure it out fairly quickly. And against the Saints defense, that's. I mean, horrifically bad. That should be horrifically bad. We'll see tomorrow how they fare against the Vikings, but I I think they'll figure things out fairly quickly in the next few weeks. Well, either way, like Saints are coming off of a short week, Patriots are coming off of a long week um, for like the NEA stuff, right? Uh, Basically, for for Tom Brady's career average since Matt Castle, since he's taken over from Matt Castle again, right? Um, Relative to what he did on the field in terms of NEA yards, he would have left like 43 yards on the field. He's done more than that 33.59% of the time. So basically, like, he had a bottom, like, right on the border of bottom third game um, to his standards. And his standards were still, like, middle of the pack. Like, he had better numbers than Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon was in uh, the Pro Bowl. He would have been 17th in the NFL with what he posted for his NEA against the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's like, he looked average for one game. Like, you probably shouldn't overreact to it in a way where you say the dynasty is over and maybe it's time for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I, I feel like, what are we? Year he was drafted two thousand. He was drafted in two thousand, right? So this is year probably fifteen of this. Yep. Yeah. So like we we should be better than that. Um, which one of these horrible early games do you want to start with? Uh, I did not watch. Like every time they had red zone, and so I was watching red zone today. And every time they had the Jets Bills game on, I I turned the channel because I I didn't want any any part of that. So if we can just skip, dude. Over that uh... game, I was I was sweating that game because they scored in like the third, like late third, and they only needed one touchdown to hit that over, and they just sat on the like both teams just sat on the ball. Um, I think Buffalo is leading the league right now in rushing yards per game. Super surprised about that, right? Uh, 
Tyrod looks like alive. He's averaging 7.1 yards per per pass attempt by like NEA standards, which is like or basically like seventh in the league last year would have been between Mariota and Big Ben. That's not a bad number. Way better than I expected. Even though you know you have to use the qualifier of it was against the yeah, New York Jets. The Jets. <laughs> Shady's Shady's still running back one. Um, McCown was averaging like two yards per pass. I mean, it, just, it was just a bad, ugly game. Um, Jet, Jets get eliminated from a playoff contention next next week when they go against the Raiders. I think they're like 14, 15 point, point uh, underdogs. Wait, they're they're what underdogs? They're like 15 point underdogs. Wow, okay. That, oh, that's pretty crazy. But, I mean, they <laughs> suck. They're awful. Um, yeah, so let's, let's skip over that game. First of the early games, let's hit on Brown Steelers. Because you, I know you have these hot takes about Le'Veon Bell. You're dying to get off your chest. Oh, it's not even that big of a deal. Just go look <laughs> at Le'Veon Bell stats. Go look at Ty Montgomery stats. It's not It's not that hard. Um, I don't want to rag on Le'Veon Bell. Because the thing about Le'Veon Bell, he's a much better pass blocker and a much better receiver than, than Ty Montgomery is. But like ball in hand, Ty Montgomery per snap has done more than Le'Veon Bell, especially when you consider what they do before and after the line of scrimmage and how much effect – an offensive line has on on how many tackles behind the line of scrimmage you're going to get. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense is amazing. The offensive line is amazing. Um, there's a reason why Le'Veon Bell can dance the backfield for five seconds before hitting a hole. Um, I, I think Le'Veon Bell, like ball in hand running back, probably probably like league average in terms of like the starters. Uh, his flexibility and the ability to get on the field every single down because he knows pass protection. That's what separates him and Montgomery. But we had a very specific argument about this that I'm absolutely right about, and I will not give an inch. Um, other than that, like, Antonio Brown was the only player in this game who had more than, like, 55 yards. Like, it was basically the Antonio Brown show, and then the Browns somehow kept up. I have no idea how. I haven't seen the game yet. It looked like uh, there, there were two sides of the Kaiser train on the timeline. There was Kaiser is amazing. I can't believe he did that. He got cheap-shotted, and then there was – I can't believe he threw that, threw that horrific pass to J.J. Watt, who had an interception of two sacks. I think he's, like, the third – player in NFL history to do that. TJ uh, Watt looks legitimate. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, our, our Browns covered. That's what matters at the end of the day. Yeah, that's all that matters. And all I want to know is when is when is Pittsburgh going to get their shit together on the road? Like, I, I mean, Just looking on paper, they are so much better than the Browns. And for them to only come out with three, like a three-point victory, they just always seem to have these dumb stinker games on the road and I, I for the life of me i can't figure it out but uh j- just i, I did rewatch some like some of the game most of the first half and it, it was like your tweet you had a few weeks ago where y- you watch kaiser move around in the pocket before the throw <laughs> and you're like oh my god like this this guy looks like the best quarterback in the league and then once the ball leaves his hand it's all up to god like <laughs> it's, up, it's up to god bro that's between you and him i have no saying this at all yeah, yeah uh from what i saw we'll see, he he's had, 21 he, yeah he's, he's 21. 21 it was it was a solid debut uh the the browns offensive line was not as stout as i expected it would be but you're still going against cam oh. Hayward and, and stefan too i think so. they, they allowed like five sacks or something like that yeah it, it wasn't great i can't yeah the the browns offensive line certainly did not look like how i thought it was um stefan to signed an extension and then immediately got hurt i saw uh i think adam Schefter said that he's that they're looking at an MRI for a potential season-ending injury for him, so that kind of sucks. Uh, but Dupree missed this past game, so that that front is getting banged up already. 
But, I mean, it held together. I mean, the, the Browns couldn't run on them at all based on the stats right now. Yeah, we'll go back and watch, and we'll have some more defined takes at the gambling uh, pod yeah. coming out on Wednesday. Yeah. But uh, we'll have revisions on Wednesday, I promise. We'll back. We'll, we'll walk all these takes back. Yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, so let, let's stay <laughs> in the AFC North, and let's talk about the Bengals Ugh. getting shut out by the Ravens. Andy Dalton threw four picks. Uh, the Bengals had about 220 yards of offense. They averaged about three yards of play. So w- we were pretty high on that Ravens defense coming into the season, and they, they balled out game one. Yeah, the, the Baltimore Ravens defense in the preseason, in the first half of preseason games, allowed zero points, seven points, seven points. And then in, uh, in this game, they just completely shut them out. Andy Dalton had a negative NEA, which means that I averaged more yards per pass, adjusted yards per pass than he did today. Um, Danny Woodhead was the leading receiver on the Baltimore Ravens, even though he got hurt in like the first or second quarter. Uh, so he has more receptions than anyone. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, we were trying to figure out, you know, we had this talk with uh, PFF Mike, Mike Renner. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Um, good guy. Super good guy. Nice hair. Um, he was talking about how the, the Baltimore Ravens don't really have a pass rush, and we were kind of wondering why the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line hadn't kind of you know, for lack of a better term, shit the bed yet in the preseason when we assumed that they would have the worst offensive line in football. They allowed five sacks today. So that, that thing just kind of corrected itself. Yeah, and the running game got shut down. Like Giovanni Bernard had one long run that kind of inflated. I think, like but... Joe Mixon had like 11 yards on like 10 attempts or something like that. Yeah, it, it was not a pretty get, pretty day. And yeah. So, so Gio, Giovanni Bernard, he had seven carries for 40 yards, but he had a long of 23. So if you take that out. He's has six carries for 17 yards, which is not great, Bob. Uh, and then Jeremy Hill did not play that much. Joe Mixon averaged one yard per carry. So pretty much what we expected to happen happened. The, the Baltimore front dominated uh, Cincinnati's just depleted, ravaged offensive line. And that's kind of got to be the Ravens' like you know, recipe for success here. Keep, keep the ball out of Joe Flacco's hands. He only threw the ball 17 times win with defense, and then rush the ball. They have 42 rush attempts compared to 17 pass attempts, which kind of gives you an idea of what they're trying to do today. Yeah, they're just, like, they're they're a sloppy team that you're just not want to – you just do not want to go against them at all this year. Because I think they can beat anyone just based off of the fact that, like, they can just make it so mucky. You know what I mean? And in a one-score game, anything can happen. Um, in terms of the uh, 0-1 team, since we're talking about the NFC North or the AFC North anyway, in terms of the 0-1 teams relative to the point spread, uh, the Cleveland Browns have the third highest chance to go 0-2 uh, next week because they go, they get to go play at Baltimore, which is a seven and a half point line, which is very confusing to me because they were 10 point underdogs at home against the the Steelers. I'm trying to do the math in my head and I can't figure out how that ends up working where the Steelers are like nine points better than Baltimore. No, I I don't get that one either. And, you know, I, I just don't know where did the Bengals go from here? Because I don't think they have an off. They don't have a good enough offensive line to compete this year. They're like year one rebuild. Yeah, it, it's it's really strange what they did to that offensive line in the preseason. Stat of the night, Andy Dalton, he had a point seven quarterback rating, like ESPN's quarterback <laughs> rating, 0.7. 16 for 31, Ooh. 170 yards. Zero touchdowns, four interceptions. So, mm. yeah, all the I feel like most of our takes, like our preseason takes on who was going to be good and who was going to be bad, was pretty solid up until we should probably talk about uh, Detroit, Arizona, because that was one where we were kind of patting ourselves on the back in the first half, and then the second half, 
Arizona just let us all down. Yeah, they completely imploded for the most part. I yeah, I, I didn't watch the whole game because I just kind of had it on red zone. But I remember we were talking earlier today. There was a point where Matthew Stafford, he had 14 completions, 14, or 14 completions 18 attempts, 74 yards, and a pick six. And we were like, yeah, this, this team is fraudulent. And then they they went full dink and dunk, and then they just went vertical game for no like apparently like they just saw like something to exploit Arizona secondary or something. Yeah, and they just started flinging the ball down the field. Carson Palmer did not have a good game; he had three interceptions. Matthew Stafford rebounded nicely, throwing four picks after that first pick six on the on their first drive. And uh, I think one of the bigger stories out of this game is that David Johnson got hurt, and it looks like he's going to miss a substantial portion of the season with a wrist injury. Yeah, uh, this, these teams went. Uh, one one of them had uh, two and a half yards per carry, and the other one had three yards per carry. Neither of these teams could run against each other, and I don't think either team's run defense is particularly strong. Like the Lions probably had the worst defensive line, in my opinion, heading into into uh, into this game, just because of some injuries and guys just leaving the team over the years. You know what I mean? And then uh, the Arizona Cardinals basically had defensive linemen who no one knows. Uh, in front of inside linebackers who were former college defensive backs, so I don't I don't think anyone really expected these teams to be like absolutely just run stoppers. But both of their offensive lines were just pretty bad. Like Arizona's offensive line got manhandled by Detroit's and by Detroit's defensive line. I have no idea what to do with that. Um, Carson Palmer stays being Carson Palmer post that that uh, finger injury against the Eagles two years ago. I want to say um, Kenny Galladay did really good. I don't know. Arizona plays an elimination game against the uh, Indianapolis Colts this week. They're both one and one. Uh, the 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 Cincinnati Bengals, who we already talked about, also playing an elimination game against the Houston Texans. They're both one and one. That's on Thursday night. Like so, so Andy Dalton's coming off of what was it, four interceptions, and the Houston Texans like have no offensive line, and they have to figure and and are now starting a rookie quarterback, and both of those teams have to figure it out in like three days. Oh yeah, that's, that's going to be a terrible game. Putrid. Putrid. Uh, yeah, the, the Cardinals, I don't know what, what else there is, what there is to say. They should easily beat the Colts just because the Colts are probably the worst team in the league right now. Uh, but beyond that, I, I, if Carson Palmer keeps playing like this, their easy schedule might not matter. Like, like if Carson Palmer keeps playing like this, like Matt Barkley might start, right? You mean Blaine Gabbert? Is it Blaine Gabbert? Yeah. I get him confused. It's the same person to me. Yeah, it's Blaine Gabbert now. He's a backup. Sure, it's Blaine Gabbert. All right, is Blaine Gabbert going to start? Like, <laughs> how how many games like this do you need from Palmer? I don't know, but there, there definitely should not be one next week. I, I, See, I'm not sure where, where the slip-up happens, but good God. That was bad. Yeah. Quarterback whisperer, he shouldn't go out like this. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you eat paint as a kid. Bruce Aarons. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, let's, let's jump over to the Falcons Bears game real quick. Uh, I don't know how much you saw this, but it it was not n- not a fairly entertaining game. Steve Sarkeesian, like in, in his first outing as the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, he was just mad conservative, like just super duper conservative. It looked a lot like the Rams' uh, offense from last year, where you're just throwing a lot of slants and curl routes and it, it was it was not fun to watch but you know i thought matt ryan still had a, a strong game circ- with the circumstances of sark being super duper conservative um 
the defense was okay. They got four sacks on the day, but they weren't consistently generating pressure. But I think we're, we're going to be right about the Bears in the sense that they're a feisty team with a good running game and strong front seven that can kind of bring it to any team that they play. Yeah, that, that's pretty much where I stood on, on Chicago. I'm like, they can they can give you a run for your money, and they might end up like 7-9. and nine. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they could be around there. Um Atlanta got bailed out by an by an 88-yard touchdown from Austin Hooper. If that doesn't happen, they end up losing. Um, if Chicago doesn't drop three different game-winning game-winning uh, touchdown, uh, touchdown, touchdown receptions in the last 20 seconds of the game, um, Atlanta ends up losing. There's a lot going on there. I'm like, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not afraid of this team at all. Like going Green Bay going against them, I think they probably win next week. Um, we had someone, uh, Rob, in our fantasy league. He said uh, he had Allen Robinson. And Kevin White, and they both—they're both out for the year now. And we're like, what did you expect with like Kevin White, man? Like, of, co- of course he broke his collarbone; he's out for the year. Yeah, I, I feel really bad for Kevin White. Just, I mean, three years, three, three, or three seasons and the injuries in a row—like that, that's probably a wrap for him. It's time to buy low. Last pick in the fantasy draft next year. Him and Josh Gordon every year. Oh yeah, I, I will never give up the Josh Gordon dream. It's crazy. I'm out on Kevin White before I am on Josh Gordon. Like I, I can't quit him. I can't quit Josh Gordon at all. I never will be able we to. We all have our weaknesses, man. Uh, yeah. So uh, the Bears are going to be a feisty team. I think the, we're going to get a good snapshot of where the Falcons stand next week when they play the Packers on Sunday night. Uh, next game, Kirk Cousins. The Kirk Cousins float is sinking, and. I don't know. I feel pretty good about this call and feel pretty good about having the Eagles as an underrated team in the NFC East. Their defense is legit. Uh, their offense is better than it was last year, even if Carson Wentz is still kind of up and down. It, this this is a good team, and Washington got worse this offseason. I, I think we saw that, this, or at least today. Yeah, I, I, I picked Washington in this game, even though I picked the Eagles to win the NFC North, and I, I'm not sure... NFC East, I'm not sure. NFC East, whatever, it's the same thing. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure why. Uh, neither of these teams can run against each other for them. Brandon Graham got two sacks, so he's good for the year. Uh, it's, it's just pressures from here on out, pressures and QB hits. Um, we had uh, our friend Eric Stoner was talking about how he's like, you know, Kirk Cousins might actually like, he might actually be like real deal, and then like immediately throws like a pick six or something, like he threw like an end zone, uh, end zone uh, interception. Yeah, it, it was – every time Eric said something good about Kirk Cousins, he did something bad. Uh, and, he like, I, I think that people were really underestimating how far Washington's receiving talent fell off. Because, I mean, I, I've been saying the entire time that Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon are, are a lot better than Terrell Pryor and uh, Josh Doxson, who who didn't even get a single target today. Now, you still have Jameson Crowder there and Jordan Reed, who's going to be in and out of the lineup. But I, I still think you took a, a big step down with your top two receivers. And that that kind of showed today. Kirk Cousins finished with a 34.8 uh, QBR. He had 23 completions on 40 attempts, 240 yards, one touchdown, one pick. So not a, not a strong game from him at all. Yikes. All right, so I really have nothing else on that. Um, I messed up by not taking Philly, and now I can't make it up next week because Andy Reid's about to beat him. So if, if nothing else, Philly has some momentum, and just people are going to forget about Andy Reid just about to lay the smack down on this team. Yep, because that's what he always does. Uh, all right, let's move on to 
Jacksonville Houston. What do we have to say about this game besides Houston might have the worst offensive line in the league outside of Seattle? Uh, yeah. Um, pay pay. Uh, who is it? Dwayne Brown. Yeah, pay him. Pay him. Uh, Jacksonville had as many multi-score wins this uh, today as Houston has had in the past calendar year, or more than that. Like the past, like what is that? Like twenty months. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's that's not a good sign. Um, Leonard Fournette said the NFL is easy compared to the SEC. He might be right. Uh, basically, like the Houston Texans, if you count uh, if you count their sacks, they have 46 dropbacks for 110 yards today for a touchdown and an interception. Um, they got a short week and they have to get a rookie quarterback ready to play basically in an elimination game for their lives. And Jacksonville right now is a pick em against the uh, Tennessee Titans, basically. It's a one-point game. It's a one-point line. And uh, so, basically, it's a pick em for Jacksonville to be 2-0, and which they haven't done since 2006. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of weird numbers. And, like, uh, <laughs> Calais Campbell in his first first game with the team had, had uh, four sacks, so he set the franchise record, like, instantly. They had 10 sacks today alone against the Houston Texans. They had 23 in 16 games last year. So they're performing five to like the Houston Tech, like Jacksonville's defensive line right now compared to Houston Texans offensive line has outperformed Jacksonville's uh, defensive line relative to like whatever an average, whatever their average was last year by like five times. So I don't know if their defensive line is just like really good or if this is just like a massive outlier game. It's probably the last one. Yeah, man. They had 10 sacks and 10 quarterback hits. So... Clays Campbell had or Clays Campbell he had five he had four sacks and five quarterback hits. So you, you you essentially have you have 20 plays where you're getting your hand on the quarterback and bringing him down. That like I know Jacksonville improved their defensive line, but come on, 10 sacks from Jacksonville, 20 plays where your quarterback's in the dirt. That's that's got to improve and if it doesn't, there that that Texas team is going to tank the season. People were uh, comparing their, those stats to like David. Uh, it's David Carr. Yeah, yeah. David Carr's rookie year, because um, everyone talks about David Carr how he was like a can't miss prospect and he was ruined by the expansion Texans because uh, he was just getting manhandled the entire time. And they're like, this line so far is worse than that line. Like that line never had this game. Like, perfect. That sounds like a, a super healthy situation for for Deshaun Watson to be in. You know why this Houston Texans team is like this? Because they spent their entire offseason trying to get Brock Osweiler off the books and trading up for Deshaun Watson. Like they literally added nothing else other than trading away picks for one quarterback who they didn't even start in this game and trading away like basically money or try, trying to get free money by way of giving up draft assets. And then they didn't use that money for anything other than resigning New Hopkins, who has had, hasn't had a good season, who's had like two good seasons, one good season in his career. Like, I just don't understand this. Like Dwayne Brown, what, how, why is your left tackle holding out and you're getting ten, sacked 10 times in a home opener when you just traded a second round pick to get a quarterback off your, off your books? It makes no sense. That that team's just a mess. They're, like they've they've been bad, even though they've been making it to the playoffs for a long time, and it, it looks like this is probably where it falls off. This time. Yep, it's, it's done. Uh, Blake Bortles did not get benched, but the Jacksonville Jaguars did cover six points. Yeah, I, I had the right right game, wrong team in terms of someone <laughs> getting benched. Tom, Tom Sav- did Tom Savage ever get his first passing touchdown? He he, he didn't. I don't he think did not. He did. Nope. He did fumble two times, though. Oh, God. They made the record. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. So now, what you got on this Oakland Tennessee game? Because I don't have much. I, I didn't. I didn't see much of this game. Uh, other than one play, Demarco Murray is eleven carries for twenty-three yards. That seems fairly significant. Like Demarco Murray is one of the guys that we thought of as like one of the more efficient running backs in the league. Um, not in terms of the stuff that I do, right? But in terms of like he can just be like a function of that offensive line. Uh, I don't know if there was a bunch of TFLs or anything like that, but like Oakland's defensive line should not be something that like teams like Tennessee should be afraid of. Um, Eddie Vanderdose apparently made a couple plays. I saw some Raiders fans talk about that. Uh, Raiders fans were in my mentions all day today, uh, even though I picked them. I picked them plus two on the spread. They're just like in my mentions talking about Carr versus Mariota. Like one game decides everything. Uh, the Raiders did, still did not get a full sack in this game. There were seven field goals in it. Um, I, I guess I'm going to have to watch this to figure out what the hell happened, but it doesn't seem like su- something super exciting. Uh, the Raiders, after being uh, road dogs, are now going to end up being 15-and-a-half-point favorites against the New York Jets next week. That's probably a – you could probably fade them. Yeah, that's a that's a like a teaser team right there. Uh, plus 20 on the Jets. You might as well just throw it in there. But I didn't see this one. The box score does not look very interesting. I actually did see a, a few Marshall Lynch runs on Twitter, so it's good to see him back and doing what he does uh, with the real offensive line, not just real offensive line, one of the elite offensive, elite offensive lines in the league. So it, that, that Raiders offense is going to be fun to watch throughout the season, and it's going to be fun to troll Raiders fans all season. But let's move on to the afternoon games. The Rams put up 46 points on the Colts, and... <laughs> Yeah. What what, is, I, what else is there to say? Dude, I don't like this Rams team, this Rams team to put it in perspective, the Rams team only scored over 21 points twice last year in 16 games. Like I feel our, like our thought process was right on this one of like there's no way like even if the Rams win it was because the Colts were bad. It wasn't because the Rams were going to be good. Um right now the Jared Goff's numbers are outpacing uh, Matt Ryan's for MVP. Uh Tremaine Johnson now has two interceptions and two sacks. Um, th- there were just like a lot of things like Indianapolis was like going for it, like fourth and seven with like three minutes left in the first half. Um, I don't really don't understand what the hell is going on. Someone in my mentions who's a Colts fan said move the team back to Baltimore. Uh, after the game, Chuck Pagano said that he got his ass kicked by the 49ers. Uh, uh, this is the Rams, but like this is, this seems very similar to like when Jeff Fisher started talking about like Danny Woodhead. Remember? Yep. Yeah, it is just like I've fully lost control and I have no idea what's happening and I'm not managing this team and my I'm getting to get fired soon. Like just just fade the Colts from now on. Like I know I know the Cardinals look bad against the Lions. Like the the Colts look worse. Like we're we're betting on the the Cardinals. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, I was excited about a Marlon Macaron because a Marlon Macaron was on a red zone the red zone for the afternoon games. Right, I see him rip off 20, 24 yards. Uh, end up looking at the box score during Sunday night football. I see ten carries, long of twenty four yards, total yards twenty four yards. So, so something happened on those other nine carries. Yeah, uh, man. Without luck. Or Vontae Davis, like the, the Colts, they're, ba- they're as bad as the Jets. And obviously, the Rams are due for an offensive improvement with McVay. But, it, you know, I know you had two pick sixes, but you, you shouldn't have the Rams putting up like 32 points on you. Rams offensive that barely scored last year. It, it's a bad, it's a really bad sign for the Colts. And honestly, if I was Jim Irsay, I would just fire Chuck Pagano and put Andrew Luck on IR and say, see you in 2018. 
Yeah, and like the thing about these early games too is like these early games aren't necessarily like they're less indicative of future success than like the average game. Um, I'm trying to find this number. Okay, yeah. So uh, last week one, right? The four teams with the biggest margin of victory uh, were the Eagles, Vikings, Steelers, and 49ers. And the Steelers were the only team that made the playoffs out of those four. Um, like these kind of are preseason games. The only thing that sucks is like we've talked about like this 0-2 thing. Only 8% of teams since 2009 that have gone 0-2 have made the playoffs because you basically have to win at a rate of a 12-4 and team in a vacuum, right? And like there just aren't very many teams that can be like 12-4, and you know, so like 12-4 and talent anyway. So it's like super hard to make up that 0-2 gap. But like just because you won one game by a lot of points in week one, that doesn't mean that much. Like this is kind of like – as long as you can get to one and one by the end of week two, you're probably good. And it's more of like a survive and advance type thing. Yep. Uh, but I mean, I don't want to talk about the Colts or the Rams really. We'll, we'll have a better snapshot of what the Rams are uh, in, in the coming weeks. The Colts are not a real NFL team right now. Uh, let's move on to Carolina versus San Francisco. The 40 or the, the Panthers beat the 49ers 23 to three. Brian Hoyer had a horrific game. He was uh, 24 for 35, 193 yards and one interception. He got sacked four times for 27 yards. Just, you know, it, it, I like Shani, but Hoyer sucks. And that, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much it for the 49ers offense. Free C.J. Beathard? I feel like he's the only exciting player left of that, like, Peter King story. So that Peter King story talked about uh, the trade for Solomon Thomas, who's kind of playing out of position a little bit. Cam Newton got kept clean. He didn't get sacked a single time against the 49ers, which is kind of surprising to me considering how many bodies the 49ers have. Um, then we had Foster, who got carted off the field. Joe Williams, who I think is already on IR, I believe. I know he's not playing. So that leaves us like C.J. Beathard is like the only surviving person from that from that Peter King story about being in the draft room with, uh, with uh, Lynch and with Shanahan on draft day. Yep. Uh, man, it, it's just, it's, it's so funny because there were such high expectations for this 49ers team and then they just came out and got stomped on, uh, Christian McCaffrey, they were definitely trying to get him the ball. He had 18 touches. Just like uh, split carry with Jace too, right? Yeah. Jace, they both averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, he was targeted seven times in the past game. He had five catches for 38 yards. So we're definitely trying to get him involved early. I, I didn't see too much this game, so I'm going to go back and see why the run game was failing so much and uh, how how Cam Newton played. But good for a start for the Panthers. I just thought Sully was, Sully was crap-talking Cam Newton. He said something about how Carolina has a goal line back at quarterback or something like that. So I don't I don't know. So, Sully can be either extremely correct or extremely incorrect with his takes. So we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out fairly soon because – I mean, when he, when the Alex Smith train comes back crashing the earth, I cannot wait for his reaction to that one. Oh God, Dude, what the? I had Raiders fans where okay, remember during uh, the pre the preseason where I compared like Oakland's offense basically was similar to Kansas City's offense from a production standpoint, right? Yeah. And then I said, like, tell me the difference between those two guys. Some Raiders fan quoted me and said, two Hall of Famers or something like that. <laughs> like Alex Smith and, and uh, Derek Carr, Hall of Famers. I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, Raiders fans are going, like, the extra 10 miles. Yeah. I'm, I'm really not looking forward. To, if, like, if they luck out again and go, like, 11-5, and 12-4, man, they're going to kill our mentions, but... 
Dude, it's like them and Giants fans. Like for real, like Giants fans and Raiders fans are probably the guys who post up Eagles fans because of the wins thing. Those are the teams that I think like just post up in my mentions. Yeah. And uh, so let's move on to the last game that we're going to talk about. The Packers versus the Seahawks. The Packers won 17-9 in a thriller. Uh, Aaron Rodgers went 28 for 42. 311 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Russell Wilson was 14 for 27, 158 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. And I think my biggest takeaway from this game is as good as Seattle's defensive line is, their offensive line is, like, just as bad. Dude, Mike Daniels, like, might be NFL MVP, like, number one in consideration right now because of how bad that defensive line is uh, or that offensive line is. Green Bay gave Seattle a shot on defense at the end of the first half because they called timeouts and gave Seattle time in, like, a game that was 0-0. This is the first time Rodgers has been shut out between week one and week 16 in his career. You know, already uh, we already talked about Monty just dominating. This is just, like, all-around defensive line, pass rusher, like, clinic on both sides of the ball. Um, Like, just both defensive lines just destroying destroying these offenses. There's no score in the first 29 minutes, and then an NFL – in an in a NFL game broke out at the second half. I really don't know what to say. Like surviving advance, I was gonna just smoke the San Francisco 49ers next week. After this, I feel pretty good about the Packers' chances against the Falcons. Um, nothing nothing super surprising though. I mean, if you say other than the Packers' defensive backs doing well, I really don't think that any of this was a surprise. Like the O lines look bad, the pass rushing units look good, uh, Rodgers look good. That's pretty much it. Yeah, Sheldon Richardson, he dominated. It, it, it's good to see him back where he belongs as a defensive tackle and not an edge or an inside linebacker. Crazy, it's people, crazy how that worked. People don't understand how good Sheldon Richardson. Like I know people like they talked about him as like a locker room cancer and things like that. Like he he led the league in in tackles for a loss or tackles at at the line of scrimmage or behind. Like I don't know how you define a loss. Like is it negative one or is it zero? Because as far as I can, as far as I call it, like if you get a guy at zero, that's a pretty good spot for you. Yeah, I, I think about the same way. Either way, you know, the offense is 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 off pace, off script now. So, a zero a zero a zero yard tackle is a is a perfectly, you know, a positive play for the defense. But it, it was cool to see him back at three tech, and just just kicking ass like all game long. Uh, that that Seattle defensive line is scary, but that I, man, that that offensive line is gonna really gonna hurt them later this year because they were already bad and. Then they lost George Fant, and that guy Rees Odomabeo. I think I'm probably butchering his last name, but not an NFL player. Is that their left tackle? I don't know who their yeah, left tackle. Yeah, that's their left tackle. I didn't. I didn't even bother to learn. I gifted up some like Big Perry sacks, and I was just like, "Here's whoever the left tackle is." Um, we should talk about Giants Cowboys. I know neither of us watched it intently, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. Oh, I, mean, I was just gonna say we could talk. We could op- we could open with that on uh on Wednesday for the gaming pod. Uh, either way, because we, we, we know we could re- we could recap all three of those games. True. Uh, all right, so we'll do that. Uh, our remaining games right now. Uh, I'm up two in gambling, uh, over 500. Chuck is batting 500 right now because he thought that Blake Bortles was going to get benched. Um, so we, I have the uh, over 43 and a half against for uh, Denver and Los Angeles Chargers. Charles is taking the Chargers plus three and a half at Denver. And then we both have uh, the New Orleans Saints by three and a half against Minnesota. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm calling dibs right now that we get a punch in our New England Patriots uh, bet. Because that, that's like 
that's layup of the year if I've ever seen one. Yeah, that and the Chiefs, I, I feel pretty good about. <laughs> yeah, th- those are the two that, like, I, since Thursday, like, I don't care what the Saints do. If the Saints look good, that number's going to drop. I don't care. I still, I, I'll take it at five. I'll take it at five knowing that I can have it under six and a half. Yep. Uh, so we covered you know, the early slate after the new games for week one of the NFL. Feels good to be back. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with the recap of the Giants-Cowboys game, the uh, Saints-Vikings game, and the Chargers-Broncos game, along with our gambling picks for the week. Thanks for rocking with us through our Barack Obama episode, episode 44 of Send the Edge. We'll be back on Wednesday, episode 45, the Trump episode, where we're talking about gambling picks. <laughs>